This uh, next week, uh, on November 18th, uh, actually in 1966, we were in high school. You know how easy I get emotion every time I think about it. I walked up to her. It was first break in the morning in high school. She was 14 and I was 17. And I said, I want to go steady. That's what we called it then. <laughs> I said, would you, go, would you go steady with me? And 53 years later, we're still going steady. So sometimes we'll share that. We've, you know, we've been going steady for 53 years. People think we've been married. Then. We've only been married 49 years. But we started, we were serious. And we celebrate that. Yeah, we, we celebrate, celebrate our going steady anniversary. <laughs> we, do. Yeah. we do. So, yeah, it's just a privilege. And uh, as you'll kind of see, we've just worked together and God has molded our lives together in such a way that uh, it's just, it's so, so amazing where we're at now to stand up here together and to be able to uh, talk with you. Uh, I'd like to start us off with a word of prayer if I could. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you would, first of all, uh, speak through Rebecca and I. We're broken vessels. We, our minds get cloudy. Our thoughts get unclear. Lord, we want your clarity, the clarity of your spirit to speak. And then, Lord, I pray you would give your people ears to hear your voice, Lord. Uh, let them not be distracted by our voice or our, you know, just when we say something wrong. Lord, let them hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. So just first off, I know that Dan is known for his cool shoes always. Uh, But when I found out that I was going to be singing in the choir and standing, then I was going to be up here standing, I said, I'm not going to try to be cute. I'm just going to wear the most comfortable shoes I have. And on top of that, When they put my mic on this morning, they took my earrings away. So, it is what it is. Uh, Our message title is Be Like Jesus. She looks so cute to me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. Um, (laughs) Our message title is Be Like Jesus. I mean, isn't that our goal, all of us, to be more like Jesus? And uh, we were trying to get cute with it. We were going, should we do hashtag be like Jesus? Uh, And then last night, we were really tired, and we were getting punchy, and I came up with this great idea. I said, let's do a meme. I don't know if you guys, you know, know about this. I, I think some of you will. But on Facebook, they'll do these things like little stick figures, and they'll say, this is Bill. He's really cool. He uses his Apple Pay to go to pay for his purchases and doesn't hold up the line. Bill is smart. Be like Bill. Or, you know, Sally does this. Be like this. So I said, let's do one with a little stick figure with Jesus and like say something like, this is Jesus. He is kind. Be like Jesus. Well, we just went down this rabbit hole. We spent so much time talking about it, looking, and then we realized 
we don't even have the means to do anything like that. We don't, we don't te technically, we don't have any idea how to do that. And so we, you know, we said, we, we need a young per person to help us. And, and then we said, you know what? We're trying to be cool. We're not cool. We're Let's not just cool. drop it. We're not cool. <laughs> Our message title is just be like Jesus. Be like Period. Jesus. There's no hashtag. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, I would love it if you would, if you're able to, to all stand for our, the scripture that we're going to base this on today. It's found in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful that Amen. we're being transformed? You can be seated. You can be seated. It is amazing that, that God has called us and then he says he will transform us. Mm -hmm. He will draw us to who he is. He wants us to be more and more like him and it's a work of his spirit. But as, as all things that God does, he uses all different tools. And so there's a crisis of life may come up and we end up uh, finding a place we need to be more Christ-like in that crisis or just family life happens being a, a child or being the parent of a child brings up situations where we need to be Christ-like uh, you know work when you go to work it's it's uh, there's got to be somebody at work that makes you draws the Jesus out of you some <laughs> some I'm just saying <laughs> there, there's uh, so there are many, you know, the, the Word of God, and it, and it says in 2 Timothy 3 that the Word of God is inspired, and it's used for, it's uh, useful for teaching, and one of the things it says is training in righteousness. So this, this combination, like I said, there's many ways God changes our lives, moves us, but uh, primarily it's through His Word, I think, and then relationships, as we are in relationships. So we want to focus on that part of it right now. We know that Every one of you are in relationships. You're in families. You're at work. You've got things going on. Uh, you're single. And you wish you had things going on. But there's always something. And so we want to talk a little bit about uh, what, uh, what it means to be Christ-like and how relationships draw us to that. In uh, Proverbs chapter 27, Verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Yeah. And this is a part of, it's, you know, that iron, when it sharpens, it's not like a, necessarily an easy thing. It's a rubbing off. It's, a, you know, there's some grit to it. And so relationships, some of that rubbing against one another is what sharpens us into the image of Christ. So every, and this is important, this is key point in this talk today. Every relationship presents an opportunity to be more like Jesus. Everyone. The ones that inspire you and the ones that are difficult, challenges to you. They present a, an opportunity to be more like Jesus. Thankfully, uh, the scripture gives us a road map and gives us some guidance on how to to treat people. It's amazing. I, I looked them up last night. 
we call them the one another scriptures. Uh, it's, there's, there's about 60 of them. We've listed about a dozen. I think we're going to try to put all 60 of them on uh, the website at some point this week, so if you want to look for that. But you also can Google it. It just comes up. They're called the one another scriptures, and they are our guideline on how to treat people. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, a few things that we've struggled with or that God is working on us, uh, drawing from these one another scriptures. Um, but if, if what we talk about today doesn't resonate with you, I, I would like to suggest that you go and look through these scriptures and maybe find an, uh, a scripture that pops out to you and you know that's an area that God wants to work on you. Um, so that's the one another scriptures that we'd, we'd like to suggest everybody look at. So we want to draw a little bit from our uh, walk through life, our marriage, our friendships and things, and share some key points where the scripture came to us and helped us through some relationships, uh, some of the difficulties of relationships. And sometimes it was between us, and sometimes it was us supporting each other through uh, work difficult, uh, you know, relationships or uh, family uh, relationships. So it's very, uh, I'm hoping it will speak to everyone, but we will speak out of a lot of our own life here. Uh, when we were first married, uh, I was 21 and she was 18 and uh, had very little clue about how to be a husband. I had, you know, when I say very little, I'm being generous with myself. I had no clue how to be a, a good husband. And um, so I had been raised in the church. I knew scripture. I knew that I was supposed to lead my home, and I had no clue what leading a home looked like. So what I began doing is uh, kind of imposing my will and my way on her. And so if we were at a decision point, I felt that I needed to make the decision and I needed to do it with authority. Uh, when I say that, I'm, I'm, you can hear my voice. I'm not a yell or anything. I am. <laughs> and I've learned enough now not to even comment on that. I won't even say anything. So when I say these confrontations, but there was a, I carried, uh, I tried to bring in a lot of authority. And uh, so we would get into discussions, uh, uh, emotional discussions, and I would begin trying to impose what I felt was right on her. And quite often would, by force of personality, I would win an argument. And finally she came to me and this was a tough day in my life. She said, you're winning the arguments, but you're losing our relationship. You're losing our marriage. Uh, that was a very sobering moment. And uh, so I went, I went to the Lord in prayer because, you know, I love her. And, I, and what I was doing, I wasn't trying to be uh, mean or anything. I was just trying to give us good leadership. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, this uh, scripture is what the Lord gave me at that time. And it says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Now, this scripture says, just as in fact you have been doing, but at that point, I wasn't doing that. 
Amazing thing, I was pastoring and I could build other people up and encourage others. Had a tough time at home bringing my faith and my walk to home. So the Lord began to challenge me to encourage and build her up. It was a new path. It was, I had to practice it. It's a number of decades later, I'm still working on it. I'm still me. I still wrestle with that wanting to get it right and push, push it. But God began to show me ways to build her up. And so when we got into discussions, it, it was no longer just what do I think, but what, how do you see this? Well, what, what would you say? If I say, you know, I'll say this. And so we began a, a give and take and uh, encouraging and building one another up. And, and what that did for me, um, up to that point in Dan's ministry, it had been Dan in the ministry and me at home supporting him. I, I was um, not really a partner with him in that way at all. But what, what happened when he started uh, encouraging me and my gifts and you know, what I could offer. It actually was the beginning of us partnering in ministry together. And it gave me the confidence to say, I have something to offer as well. And uh, it was a real turnaround in our marriage. Um, I want us all to just say this as a little prayer because I think uh, there's always going to be someone in your life that needs to be encouraged. I think the parent-child relationship is so huge. Kids need your encouragement. They need to be built up and told that they're okay. Um, so I want us to say this as a little prayer together. I'm going to say it first and then we're going to say it together. Lord, would you help me to be more encouraging to others? Uh, and maybe when we say this together, think of a person that God has put on your heart that, you know, they could use some encouraging uh, words or building up. So let's say it together. Lord, would you help me to be more encouraging to others? So uh, one of the areas of the one another scriptures that Dan and I uh, struggle with daily, and I, I, I'm guessing that all married couples do, but it's also with your children and with your single friends and coworkers. We have to pretty much be forgiving each other every day about something. Um, there's a, a quote by Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, uh, and she says, a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. And the little irritations, the little perceived uh, slights. Um, over the years, we've just learned to let those go and give grace. Uh, because when two people are living together, it just is going to happen all the time. Also, we're too tired. We're too tired to fight. <laughs> yeah, we used to go at it, but we're tired now. So, yeah, just, okay, fine. Uh, but, but there has been in our marriage some actual wounds, like words we've spoken to each other that have wounded or actions that have wounded. 
And those are more serious. Um, I think they require a heartfelt apology. Uh, and we've had to do that. We've had to do that in our marriage. And I think it's important to do that. But here's something I want you to think about. Once I, if Dan apologized to me and I feel like it's heartfelt and he means it, and I make the decision to forgive him, which is the right thing to do, um, I can't keep punishing him for the thing he did or said. Wow. <laughs> now, I may, I may still be struggling with my own pain, and that's where you go to the Lord and you say, this is between you and I, Lord. You've got to heal me. You've got to help me to get past this. But I don't continue to make it an issue between us. And that's how we live in harmony in the same house together. Um, I had a situation in my life that was even much deeper than that. It was a, a person who had wounded me so deeply um, that I actually was in a place of bitterness for years over it. And I wanted to forgive, but I just didn't know how to do it. Um, and there had been no attempt to come to me and ask for any kind of forgiveness. So uh, the person was actually passed away when, uh, for some years. And uh, I was reading a book and I got prompted to write this person a letter. And they were gone, they weren't going to read the letter, and, but I really felt like God was saying, just write a letter to this person and tell them how that hurt. And you know, So I started writing the letter, Dan remembers, I wept and wept over that letter. But what happened was while I was writing it, God opened up my heart and he opened my spiritual eyes to see the woundedness in that person and where they were coming from and what had ha the things that had happened to them that had wounded them so deeply. And the forgiveness just kind of flowed out. It was like I suddenly felt really completely free and was able to let that go. There's a scripture in uh, Colossians 3.13 that says, bear with each other, forgive one another, if any of you has a grievance against someone, here's the key, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. That's huge. He's forgiven us and he's asking us to forgive others and um, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's very freeing to let go of bitterness and unforgiveness in your life. Forgiveness is the basis of relationship with God. And the amazing thing about the gospel was Jesus died for us, not when we were lovely, but when we were unlovable, it says. And so God extended forgiveness to us, not based on that we deserved or even asked for it at that point, but because of his love, because he wanted us to be in relationship to him. And so forgiveness is the basis of our eternal life but that same forgiveness is a basis of how we walk together, how we go to work and work with people, how we uh, deal with our family members, our spouses, and so forth. So forgiveness is a part of our walk to, to look like Christ, to walk like Christ. Uh, so I want you to say again with me a little prayer. Again, I'll read it. Then I, 
I ask you to share, share it and th think of somebody. Lord, help me to be more forgiving. Would you join me now? Lord, Lord help, help me, me to, to be, be more forgiving. forgiving. In uh, James chapter 5, verse 16, another one of the one another scriptures, and there's a couple things in here, but it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Um, again, in, in my relationship with her, with Rebecca, uh, I could go to church and lead prayer and go to prayer meetings and do all kinds of things. It was... Uh, difficult to pray with her. It was especially difficult for me just in our life uh, to expect, express weaknesses. And it's tied a little bit with the other. I, I felt that a good leader had, had the answers, uh, knew what to do, and that if I showed her that I was weak or didn't know what to do, that would just throw her into chaos and into disrespect for me. So, uh, I was carrying on and not opening my heart. And so she'd say, how was work today? And I'd say, fine, whether it was fine or not. How, how's it going here or there? I'm okay. Uh, I had a real, real trouble opening up to her and being honest with her because I, I wanted her to continue respecting me. Um, the Lord brought this scripture to me. And, uh, and again, I, in the context of where I was at, I'm, leading prayer and I'm uh, you know I, I'm a pastor I'm praying for people and he said pray for your wife so that was the first step so I began praying for her and we, we discussed that we began praying for one another and it was uh, believe me the only way you're going to uh, affect any change in anybody's life is through prayer it's not through nagging so I began to pray for her. Then we began to pray together. And it's, it's phenomenal. I hate to quote the, the percentages because the, the divorce rate drops a staggering amount for couples who pray together. And it's, it, in our life, what we began doing, we started praying together. And what I realized is that kind of the, the male macho, the leader. I didn't have that between me and God. He was God, I wasn't. So I could come before him humbly and I could express, here's what I'm going through, here's where I'm hurting, here's what, well, she was there. And so she's hearing, she's hearing my heart. It was very difficult for me to turn and tell her my heart. Now, after years of praying like that, we began to be able to be more honest. I began to see that she actually was there to support me, that what the scripture said maybe was true. She was there, she was to help me, she was there for me. So we began praying together and uh, sharing our hearts together, sharing how things were affecting us. It was interesting as we would pray, uh, for instance, if we prayed for our kids, uh, we had different prayers because She's the mother and I'm the dad. So I'm saying, help them get a job. And she's saying, keep, to, keep them safe. <laughs> so, <laughs> so prayer was really, really important way. And, and I just want to encourage you, don't jump out and say, we're going we're gonna to pray. I want to pray an hour a day or something. If you do that, God bless you. But if, 
if you can just take a minute or two and pray together. And then I, I want to share with you just that we were both working full-time today. Rebecca worked at Intel, and she, uh, one day, she, we, our, I think our kids were going through this. She was the kids and grandkids. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it was our kids at that point. And so she was, she wrote a prayer. She just prayed on this and wrote it out and sent it to me, emailed it to me. And as soon as I saw it, I saw it was a prayer. She was speaking to God and she was sharing with me. It was our prayer time together. So I prayed. I wrote out a prayer and sent it back to her. So from there on out, we continued a prayer document that we shared. So even when we weren't together, and I guess it wasn't writing pages and pages, usually it was a paragraph, but we began praying together even when we were apart. And you can do that with texts and other things. God has provided amazing technology that can be used positively. Dan actually has a prayer app on his phone. Uh, a lot of you are on that. And it, it pops up all day long and reminds him to pray for whoever's on his list, which is really cool. Yeah. And I, and I want to encourage you in Luke chapter 6, verse 28, it says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Because sometimes we, we've been trying to solve things, and Pastor Herman alluded to it, with real negativity and tearing down. And our place as Christians is to, is to pray for, to encourage, and not just to pray for those you like or, or hope or you think are on the right path, but even more so those who are, you think, off or even mistreating you. Powerful scripture there. So, I feel like that when we pray together, it's probably one of the most intimate things in our relationship. And the reason I feel that way is because I get a glimpse of his heart. I get a glimpse of what's going on inside of him, and that's true intimacy to me. Um, we, we had a situation with one of our kids where literally we were on our knees for a year or two. I'm telling you, it's all we had. Uh, I've had a lot of women come to me and say, what do I do about my wayward child? What do I do about my husband who's not doing what he's supposed to do? Or, you know, all these relationships. Um, and my answer is always exactly the same. Love them right where they're at. Love them with your whole heart right where they're at. And pray. And we've seen miracles in our family uh, we've seen miracles with a lot of you. Um, it's the most powerful tool we have. I love that we sang that in the choir today. And, and that wasn't planned. God did that. That's so cool. Um, so I'd like you to say this little prayer. And I'd like you to either think of um, someone that you feel like you, you really need to you know, you'd like to see a change in them and you'd like to um, pray for them or a situation in your life that you'd like for God to intervene. And we're going to say together, Lord, would you help me to be more prayerful? Okay, we're going to say that together. Lord, Lord would, would you, you help, help me, me to be, to be more, more prayerful? Um, I can't encourage you enough in that area. So, uh, one of the other areas in my life, which is not something in the past, it's actually still going on, 
Um, uh, I, I do feel like God has moved me along in this area, but it's, a, it, it's the, an area of, of being humble and non-judgmental. Um, I am an extremely passionate person. I have strong opinions on everything. I, I have opinions on politics. I have opinions on how you should be raising your kids. I have opinions on people wearing white shoes after Labor Day. <laughs> Um, and you know those people on Facebook that put these you know fiery messages about politics or I don't know I'm not going to go into that but that's me not now I'm not doing that now but that is me just not that long ago I was one of those people and I'm still guilty of sometimes jumping into the fray when there's an argument going on on Facebook because I feel so strongly about things. And this is what God's doing in my life. Uh, let me read the scripture first. Um, it is Philippians 2.3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I think God cares less about our, how we line up with everything than he does about how we treat people. And there, I'm guilty of jumping in and saying things that are harsh or unkind at times because I feel so strongly about everything. I'm so passionate that in my youth, I was willing to be arrested and go to jail for uh, a cause. and. I actually did go to jail. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really, really passionate and opinionated. But what God's teaching me is she's I don't... She's not joking. I'm she's not serious. joking. <laughs> she's serious. What God is teaching me is that I do not have to try to convince anybody of anything. I do not have to... Sometimes he just wants me to close my mouth um, and be humble that I don't have all the answers. and. He has opened my eyes to see that sometimes it's coming through a lens of somebody's story that I don't understand because my story's different. Or it's coming from another perspective and maybe they've, maybe they've got a point, you know. That's what God is doing. And so I'm not there yet, but it's definitely something that he's working on in me. Um, here's the next layer to it. Now, when I see things on Facebook, I'm intolerant of the intolerant people. <laughs> and so that, you know, that's the other thing. So that's not okay either. Uh, and I still believe there is right and wrong. I still believe that there are true things that are Christ-like and things that are not Christ-like. Of course, I'm not letting go of my values. But how I treat people while still holding on to my values is huge and so in the area of humility and not being non-judgmental there's lots of scriptures to back this up you know Jesus that's not how Jesus conducted his life and this is my prayer every day may the words of my mouth and the meditations in my heart be pleasing to you O God and when you're my age and you're looking back at your life, 
and you start wondering, when I die, what will they say about me? This is what I want. I want them to say, I want everyone to say, she really tried to be more Christ-like. She really was working towards being more Christ-like. That's what I want. That's my prayer. It's interesting because uh, we do, sometimes, particularly as Christians, we so hold to certain values that we can mistreat people because we hold to values. Uh, but that's not what Jesus did. He was kind to people even when he disagreed with their values. For instance, the prostitute brought to him. He didn't treat her cruelly or the way, you know he's the only one there that could have thrown the stone. He was the only one qualified to throw the stone. But he didn't. And so if you've got a stone in your hand, first of all, see if you're qualified to throw it. And then if you are qualified... Thanks. <laughs> if you are qualified, remember that what Jesus did. He didn't do that. That's what we want to be like. So let's, let's do this little prayer together. Again, kind of get somebody in your mind. Uh, but it's, Lord, help me to be more humble. Lord, Lord help, help me, me to, to be, be more, more humble. humble. We've shared out of a few areas of our life, but uh, your life is different. You've got different friends, different family. Uh, you're single, you're uh, possibly a single parent, all kinds of relationships are represented here. But each of us can take our Christianity into where we're at and be Christ-like in dating, in marriage, in friendship, at work. We can be Christ-like everywhere we're at, including online. We can be Christians online.